You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 92 of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Russell Guyver, with my usual co-host, Peter Marsh. Hi, Russ. Uh, we've also got Andy Bravery back. How are you doing, Andy B? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. Uh, excellent. And in the interest of balance, we've got Andy K as well. Andy Knott, how are you, Andy? I was not so good yesterday, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, it was improved by watching some small acts, actually. So I've, I've been okay since then. Oh, that's been brilliant, isn't it? I've uh, I've already called all of that. It's a very good program. I've been watching a bit of his dark materials as well. Finished that off. I thought it was an excellent that's, series. That's to come for me as yeah. well. Yeah, I I've recommend a, it. I've recorded the second series. I've seen the first, but I've, I've yeah. got to watch the second series at some Anyone point. Anyone read the book? Yeah, the I've read I read up to the yeah. most recent books as well. I've, yeah, really like them. Bet you Excellent. haven't, Russell. I have actually, yeah, yeah. Have I haven't read the most recent one, but I'm yeah, massive fan of the books. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, I know. I've got notorious for having a lot of books I haven't read at home. In case anyone's wondering what that comment's about. <laughs> anyway, um, more more to do with that, um, really later, if anything. But um, we'll get on to the football. So, obviously, Andy, there you're referring to the uh, the game of yesterday being uh, Sunday. We're recording this Monday. It's a Sheffield United match, um, having failed to beat Fulham course it was a inverted commas must win game against Sheffield United and we didn't win it goal a uh, one all draw uh, almost almost a goalless defeat in the end we managed to get an equaliser finished one all um, descent is in the air um, there are clouds gathering over the Amex I think um, certainly the, the tide of opinion in a post-match poll I've heard about but not seen on, on North Sand Chat suggests that a lot of people are now swinging into the Potter Out campaign, um, which is seeming to me pretty premature. Um, others may be more mildly concerned. Um, we'll, we'll go over to Peter first. Uh, what's, what's your view on it? So I think I come, in the, come in the mildly concerned um, category probably is a fair assessment. I understand there's a lot of, you know, kind of reasons to keep Potter and I'm not going to go into them. I'll let everyone else kind of talk through them. But... I still don't see where we've improved in the last last 12 months or whatever. I don't see, we've got the same problems. We can't take our chances. We can't, 
we can't defend at times. I mean, second half, it wasn't just the fact that we, if they just nicked a goal and we've been dominating and their keeper had been man the match, you'd be like, well, fair enough. It's one of those things. But they looked more dangerous when they were counter-attacking, even though they had like 20% of the ball in the second half. I thought up to their goal and just afterwards, they looked more dangerous on the counter-attack than we did having all the possession and not really getting anywhere with it. And that is incredibly frustrating when you're playing 10 men. And you, you start to wonder when we're ever going to win a home game at this rate. And I know Arsenal come up next, which would be quite funny because they'd have been the only team we'd have beaten and we'd have beaten them twice in 2020. That would be quite amusing. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's worth like not winning in the home games in the meantime. And we've just, we just don't look like we believe we're going to score. I was watching the second half yesterday and thinking the players don't look like they, they think they're going to do it. They don't look like they believe they will score. I mean, Connolly missed a sitter. Um, how Jahan Batch missed at the end. I, I mean, I, I was quite relaxed about that in a way because I thought he was offside or it, it was offside in the, in the attack. And then I looked and it wasn't. It was like, oh God, that's like such a... I was actually just assuming it was going to be the flag up after he missed anyway. But annoyingly, it wasn't because I'd have preferred it would have been. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it, I just... I mean, I think the, the, my problem with Potter is I don't think they've they've improved anything in the last 12 months. And to do that, they've either got to, to get to, to let Potter go and bring someone else in to play a more pragmatic kind of approach, possibly make it more solid at the back, or they need to get a striker in for quite a lot of money. Now, whether they plan on doing either or both of those or whatever, but if they do neither, I think we're in real danger of going down. And yeah, that and we're doing it without really a fight because we need, there's no, it's been like what, £900,000 investment in the first team this year. So I don't just blame Potter, I blame the board as well. And they've not invested in the first team. They've spent a lot more on the reserves and the youth, you know, the young players than they have on the first team squad. So. Yeah, and possibly some of that might be to do with the recruitment t- team getting deals over the line. Maybe there's a flaw in the system there as well. Who knows? But well, um, that's either way, it's not Potter's fault. He's not directly involved with that. It seems to be the yeah. Kind of... Yeah, I mean, my my view is, I mean, in terms of being behind Potter, I'd say I'm pretty much like a ninety something percent behind him before the game. Um, off the back of well, those two results that we've just had, I'm probably dropping to somewhere like a sixty-five, seventy. Um, it would still take some serious downturns for me to really lose the faith in him. Where would you put yourself on that scale, Peter, before I move on to the others? Probably 50-50, to be honest, at the moment. I'm, 50-50. I'm literally, yeah, uh, kind of... My mm. first time... I did say, I think, on the show the other day that if we lost Sheffield United, I probably would just drift into probably thinking it was better he, he left. We didn't lose, but we, you know, in a way, might as well have done. But on the other hand, it's... It's so frustrating. I'm not convinced someone's going to come in and change that without bringing a new striker in. If we can't score, we can do everything. You know, we have the best manager in the world, but if we can't shoot, then there's not much point, really. You know, I don't think Guardiola would get the, the or, or Klopp would be able to turn that those strikers into, you know, kind of ones who can score every you know, most chances or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think we need a new striker, arguably more than a new manager, possibly. But, uh, yeah, if we, if we don't, then we need to concede less goals, basically, and we're still quite open at the back. Yeah, well, Andy, Andy K, what's your take on it? You're nodding there to the last point. Um, in general, what's your take on it? Um, look, um, yesterday was really poor as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I don't really want to defend yesterday. I, I really do agree with Peter that there were two chances in there that had to be scored. I really don't like this phrase. You, you have to score, but... Um, Connolly and Johanbach's headers from two yards out, three headers from two yards out, had to be put in. And um, I suppose the point that I disagree on, Peter, is is I do think that there's an improvement. 
Um, and I do think that there's a long-term vision with Potter. So that's that's the reason why I'm still pro Potter. Um, and we, we can perhaps come back to this issue of improvement. Um, uh, I take Peter's point completely about needing someone that can finish and we can probably go for a, a kind of more extended analysis of our strikers and our striking situation, um, which I think we probably need to do as well. The, the one thing that would tip me towards Potter out is if he's lost the players. And there are questions to be asked on that, actually. Um, uh, and yeah, let, let's, let's come back to that at a later stage. Yeah. Out of All interest, right. Andy, you're saying about the long-term vision. If we went down, would that continue? Because I know that- Yeah, yeah, very much so, the... very much so. I mean, um, I want to go back to that podcast that you had with Neil from the Anfield Rep. Who, who was quite brilliant on so many things, actually. Uh, one of the things that he said that stood out is that there's there's basically about 30 Premier League clubs um, at the moment. And when it comes down to it, we're, we're right at the bottom end of the current Premier League. Um, and not an awful lot's going to change that. Um, a sugar daddy, um, some... some um, petrochemical money would change that, but I don't think anyone's advocating that they want um, Bloom to leave um, and that they want some petrochemical money to join us. I certainly don't. Um, I know, after what uh, you said about Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would make me livid. Um, um, and the most important metric in the Premier League to determine where um, your final position will be is player wages. And our player wages are about where we are at the moment. Um, again, in terms of the long-term vision, um, uh, we can discuss that because I, I think Bloom's got a, a strategy to try and beat that. But um, we've got no divine right to be in the Premier League. Um, I've... I think actually being relegated from the Premier League may well resolve some of the issues. Um, and, and the key thing here might be the fact that we've got different expectations. Um, I, Despite the top 10 ambition, um, I, th I, I think that may well be the one that beats Bloom. Yeah, I, I can... I mean, I'm not... I wasn't actually particularly expecting us to zoom up the table this year. I don't particularly advocate this whole top 10 thing. I think that was a long-term aim and it wasn't, a, you know, kind of something we have to do in the seasons. I think my my thing has been, and I, yeah, obviously you, you don't agree, but I don't think that we're progressing. I do think we need to progress a little bit each season at least. And if, in all honesty, I'd rather be in the championship than being 16th or 17th every year in the Premier League and losing most of the time. And that's, it's not much fun. Whereas at least the championship is entertaining and a more, or at least being up and going up and down and that sort of thing is more entertaining overall longer term. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. And Andy B, um, what about yourself? What do you think? Uh, where are we at at the moment with Graham? Yes, well, for me, I, I, cast, I cast my mind back to two, two seasons ago, walking out the ground, the, the um, Amex, after we'd beaten Huddersfield 1-0. And, um, and we crawled over the line that day. And my thought all the way home was that that 
game was absolutely dreadful. And then unfortunately, during the rest of that half a season, there were a few more like that and a few others that felt like they were 90 minutes of capitulation. And I've not felt that under Potter. I felt that he's had to come in. I mean, this is a guy basically who made his reputation in, in Swedish football and he's had one year in the championship and then he's asked to come into the, into the premiership with a team that, that just about stayed up to play a different brand of football, to develop young players and actually to try and get us towards the top 10. And I think that, that you know, that that's going to take time and he needs a bit of time just to be able to, um, you know, develop as a coach, I think. He's playing against much better coaches now and, and, and managers and, and, you know, he doesn't have the best players. So I think that's a real challenge for him. So, I, you know, I kind of thought beginning of the season, we might we might get into that we might get into that mid table. I, I mean I think generally our football's good enough to get into that mid table, but we just don't have the goals. And this season they haven't they haven't backed him for whatever reason. And it may be that Tony Bloom didn't feel that he had the money to spend, or it might be that the coach said actually, I think I can develop these players. And maybe that is one area where I think to to a point at least the um, the jury's out. I mean I think some players look better. I mean I don't know what. Lamptey looked like before he came, but he's certainly he's certainly gained in value and he's certainly a quality player. Basum is looking much better this season. As I've said a few times, I think he saved Solly March's premier premiership career, really. The goalkeeper's just come in, he's looked really good. Um, you know, um I, I think for me it's more about some of those players in 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 the in the, in the, the creative players in the midfield and going forward that just for some reason they're either not good enough or they're just not they're not doing it. Um, you know, and um, I mean Trossard. I mean, some people thought Trossard played well yesterday. I still think he started really well, but then he just for me he faded away. Maybe I missed one or two vital crosses and that. I think the goal might have been his cross. It was. Um, I think the forwards you could mix the. The three or four, even if you want to put security in, I don't. I don't think there's a lot between them really, um, and and I don't know how you get a lot more goals out of them. And I guess so. As, I guess as well from from a coach's point of view, the other thing that that clearly um, must be a challenge for him at the moment is, and I agree with Pete, and I think I said it as well that they don't look overly confident when they're going forward. You know, there's times when I don't understand why they don't have a shot from. 20, 25 yards, particularly Trossard. Maybe, maybe he doesn't feel like he could get it, get it through. But you know, have a go, have a few goes, see what happens. Sometimes it comes off a leg. I mean, yeah, he had one. Didn't like he? We've, we've conceded about, yeah, I mean, we've conceded about three or four goals that have come off um, Webster's foot and and got in, you know, over the keeper or around the keeper. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much him in. I don't mm-hmm. think they scored their goal yesterday because we'd have stopped and come back inside and you know tried to pass it through even with ten men on the pitch. We yeah. wouldn't have scored the goal like that because, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was lucky it got the reflection and looped up, but you do, you get the get your luck, and they deserved it at that point. They were the better yeah. team at that point, I thought overall. And I can't. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Com- I mean, like I said before, I think there's two or three goals this season that felt like Webster's been involved like that. But you can't complain about that. You can't blame him for that. He's just trying to stop it, you know. Yeah. But I'm very much, I'm very much pottering, and I and I think as well that you know, I think the club, what I don't want the club to do. Is what Fulham did a couple of seasons ago. You know, they get they get rid of a manager that maybe wasn't going to keep them up. Maybe he was. They bring Ranieri in, and then Ranieri's gone, and then they're on the third manager, 
and then they go yeah. down and they come back up again, which is, which is good for them. You know, I think if we did go down, if we go down in an orderly fashion, we've got a lot of young players there and maybe we come up as a much younger side over a year or two and maybe Potter, and if it's not Potter, someone else gets a chance. I like the fact we've given an English coach a chance as well. You know, so I'm 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 all for um I'm all for sticking by. That doesn't mean I necessarily think that we're going to be safe, but I'm just hoping that there are there are three teams below us that we're better than. And like I said um, earlier today, you know we've we've not actually at the moment the way the league stands, we've not lost to anybody um, below um, eighth in the league, and that's Chelsea at eighth. All the teams are eighth above that we've lost to, so. Yeah, I, I really just want to pick up on that point that Andy's just made. Um, I I don't like, I, I'm not in the kind of sack the manager camp. Um, and and obviously that kind of vocalisation of sack, sack the manager has become more in, intense over recent years. But even more than that, I don't want Brighton to become a sack the manager club. And I really don't think Bloom does. I think Bloom values the principle of loyalty um, because it's only two managers that he's sacked, hasn't he, in his tenure? Um, three, uh, uh, I think. Three. Well, three, yeah, Slade. Yeah. Technically then, quiet uh, as well, but yeah, it depends on. Yeah, okay, yeah. But he uh, left longer than a lot of people would have done, I think. The, the other thing to factor in there is that it was a year ago, I think, pretty much a year ago that he gave, he extended Potter's con con contract and gave him a six-year contract. Hmm. Um, now, that was in part to um, dissuade other clubs. But similarly, I think Potter is quite different to other managers. I think he values loyalty um, and he values the opportunity to um, inculcate his ideas. Yeah. And again, we can speak about his ideas um, because I, I do think that there are certain things that um, needs working on on that front, actually. Well, let's, let's talk about that in a second, actually, yeah, because that is an interesting point. Um, just to quickly mention, with the lineup, and it relates to what you were saying about bringing you through, I, I agree that I think if the worst came to the worst and we went down, as as Andy B called it, in in a, like a orderly fashion... <laughs> um, then I would certainly be happy to stick with him if he hasn't lost the dressing room. Um, the lineup included um, five youth players for the Albion and two more on the bench in the form of Sanchez, who got another start, which I think was a sensible, that actually probably was actually a tactical <laughs> decision uh, for the goalkeepers because he's a big guy and they, they play a lot of aerial stuff. Um, so, yeah, we had Sanchez, we had White, we had Dunk, of course, um, we had... Um, March and we had Connolly all in the starting lineup. We also had on the bench um, two other players from our youth team, Alzate, albeit he came fairly late into the equation. We had Alzate and Malumbi in there as well. Uh, and also Zakiri, who has, has obviously just come, he's just been inbound, but he also got a bit of time as, as a young player. So certainly Potter does favour youth and give, giving them opportunities. Um, yeah, but so in very quickly. Yeah, go on, Andy. Go, on, Peter, sorry. Because I don't understand why you started Connolly. Yeah, me, I was going to come to that point. Yeah, we were discussing. I think on the preview pod, mm. and I was like, the one striker I wouldn't include, definitely wouldn't pick. I can understand Mope or or Welbeck or mm. both. 
But Connolly does not work well against defences that are going to sit deep, like Sheffield United will do, especially once they were they were down to 10 men. Why on earth they left Connolly until the end and took off Mope and other players who might have more, you know, and it's so frustrating because it's, to me, that's quite an obvious thing. He, Liverpool, for example, are perfect. They had a high line and he, he caused his pace, caused real problems for the first like 45 minutes. Perfect idea, worked really well. But yesterday, against a team who sit deep and don't really, we're never really going to kind of, you know, dominate possession and kind of push forward. It was just, yeah, I just didn't understand the logic behind it and what Connolly was going to offer that that Welbeck couldn't have done or, the, or one of the other attackers even, someone else, you yeah. know. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, on Connolly, I think I 100% agree with you. It was the wrong game for him to, to have the feature role in um, and not bring him off either. Just didn't seem to make sense based on the opposition. And um, that did seem to me a tactical error for me. Um, also, in terms of... Um, the well, you say Morpay um, coming off. According to BT Sport, he was still on hitting the crossbar in the 95th minute. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> that did confuse me for a minute. I started doubting myself, but um, yeah, no, it wasn't win a game. It wasn't finally, the occasion. We, uh, our desperate efforts to win a game. Finally, we actually had the 12 players on the pitch. Yeah, and just sorry, we just get Andy K has just delightfully told us as we're recording. Burnley have just gone into a 2-0 lead in their game tonight to compound our misery. Wonderful. <laughs> um, at least we can't go in the bottom three, uh, regardless, I suppose, uh, this weekend. For that joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of the game, yeah, I mean, I, I think for all of that, I mean, I'm not even going to bother quoting any stats because we know we had tons of shots, tons of shots on target as well. We had um, oh, massive cool. amount. Well, not not that many, not enough, um, and we had huge amount of possession. All of that counts for absolutely nothing. A because the one stat that counts is the result, but also for the fact that the sort of possession, the sort of attacks, the sort of shots we were having, apart from the ones Andy's mentioned that we shouldn't have missed, that the headers in front of goal, um, didn't really create enough of a dangerous situation. Because they sat deep, we knew they were going to sit deep. They've got one point from you know over a dozen games, and they're not going to be expecting to come gung-ho at us. They know we like that kind of play. They're going to sit back and look to catch us on the break, which is exactly what they did. But um, the way we went about it, yeah, it, it seems to lack a bit of zip. Um, there seemed to be a lack of the national, there seemed to be a lack of intricacy to the play. I thought Alzate should have come on and made an influence in the game because I think he might have been someone that could have unlocked something. But ultimately, it just seemed a bit passive didn't it we it was yeah. they were they were letting us come on to them and, and we seemed almost too relaxed about the fact we were on the attack and we were probing and while I don't want us to to get over anxious and play a stupid ball forward and waste possession at the, by the same token it was a bit too passive wasn't it and it didn't have any penetration that's that's the term that I've got a problem with Potter is we are too passive um and I want us to see us play with more intensity um, and press higher up the pitch uh, and to move the ball more quickly at times higher up the pitch Um, and that's one thing tactically I think he really needs to start working on I I don't buy um, we are we are creating sufficient chances we should we should have won that game and Mm. I, I, I know people are laughing at people who say Oh, our expected goals is very, very good. But that, as far as I'm concerned, is the key issue. We need to um, uh, 
get someone in January, I would say, if if um, otherwise, um, we're, I mean, the chances of us going down are probably 50-50, I would say, something around that. Um, but I also think that we firstly need to use Connolly far more selectively um, yeah. to help his development. Uh, secondly, get rid of Jahan Batch um, because he's just not he's not cut out for the Premier League. Um, I, I will say it was his his cross for Connolly yesterday that Connolly should have scored. It it was. I I, I, I don't doubt his te technical ability. What I doubt is his physical ability. His his lack of pace. Um, he's he's not cut out for the Premier League. He's he's perfect for the Eredivisie. Um, he really is because um, there isn't that intensity. Um, yeah. that you're... Well, and I'm not saying he particularly, but yeah, just to say one of the few quality moments was from him yesterday. They were no, that... great, but also I thought Trossard's cross was a good one as well. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but there yeah, wasn't, there wasn't much else, was there? No, there. Were, I mean, I, I I really do agree with what Russell said. Is for all that passive possession. Um, we only really carved out three, well, three opportunities where you, again, I'm going to use that phrase that I hate, this, the, the player had to score. I mean, they were all from two or three yards out. Yeah. Um, One, we did score. The other two... Yeah. I'm still struggling to see how we miss. But, I think there are a couple of corners as well where maybe one or two. It's interesting they were saying we're about second highest in missed chances or something like that. Missed very good, very strong chances. And Dunk's got about three this season of really, really good chances or whatever the actual wording is. I can't remember. But... Yeah. I mean, um, Mopay had that chance in the first half, didn't they? Um, yeah, he should have done more with that, really, shouldn't he? And I, I think we need to speak about Neil. I think we need to speak about Neil Mope because um, there's something wrong with him. There's something badly wrong with him. Um, yeah, I was just going to come like to this, actually. Like I think... Like Trossard, he started the season on fire. Um, but ever since that bust-up, that um, which isn't just a rumoured bust-up, is it? Potter more or less confirmed it. He's been way off his game. Um, yeah. Does, I, it makes I you think wonder, need... doesn't it? Sorry, Andy, it, just yeah. make, it just makes you wonder whether there is actually something going on behind the scenes, because there's two or three of those players who, who look really off colour and they don't they don't they don't look fully engaged. And yeah, I mean, yesterday there were there were times yesterday when um, you know people could have argued that they didn't really show any urgency as a team. So I, I do wonder. That's one thing I do wonder is whether there is something going on, whether someone else rocked the boat, what that could be about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at our attacking options, notwithstanding Chahambach, because he ultimately is still playing a bit of a peripheral role anyway. But if you look at the ones we're ultimately relying on, we're talking about Trossard from the creative attacking role, Lana, mm -hmm. and then further forward, you've got Morpay, you've got Connolly, you've got um, Welbeck from those available at the moment. If you look at those players, I agree with both Andys in terms of you've got to wonder what's going on behind the scenes there with Morpay. He's seriously lacking confidence, regardless of any further issues that are going on. That's yeah, I mean, on, 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 on that point with Mopé, I, I think he went off against Liverpool not because of a hamstring issue, but because... Yeah, I think it was... Right. Yeah, I think it was something in his head wasn't quite right with that. Um, you look at... I think Welbeck's fine. Welbeck's going to have a, a, a role of sorts. I, he's going to... 
He's going to muck in, but he's not going to be the the, the only answer. But the, I was just going to say, sorry, I'll come to Andy B in a yeah. minute. But I was going to say, Connolly, I agree, you've got to use him selectively. And to rely on him more than that, because the others aren't putting their weight, doesn't mean that you're going to get any further success. I think he's got to be used sparingly uh, because he's still developing. Uh, and Donny is a question mark for the future. And he's a head case. Whether we use him, we don't know. All of that adds up to nothing, nothing substantial enough. Trossard is a little bit inconsistent, I would say. I think he had a fairly good game at the weekend, but we need that from him regularly. And <laughs> Andy Case disagreeing a bit, but either way round, even if he is having a good game there, he's got to be doing it more consistently. So if you take out Lalana, who generally is reliable, but actually didn't have a good game at the weekend. He was dreadful yesterday. Yeah. Um, the rest of them are inconsistent anyway. And, and that for me is why I agree with Peter that we need to sign someone in this window. Um, because I think, None of them, I mean, somebody on the, in the punditry added, said they all add up. I think it was actually pre-match, um, said that what we've got adds up to one really good striker. And, you know, it, we're getting the worst of all worlds at the moment because we're getting inconsistency, we're getting occasional injuries. Yeah, we're and we, inconsistency, really. Yeah. None of them can score. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, sorry, going, going back to you, Andy B. I mean, I just, I just wonder what people thought about whether um, Wildback didn't play... Uh, yesterday, because um, because he needed a rest. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's what Potter said at the outset. If actually. they didn't think he could do three games in a week, though, I wonder why they didn't they put, they didn't rest him at Leicester, the game where we probably yeah. weren't going to get anything, and, and probably would have suited Connolly better too. I, I, I was just thinking while we were talking, actually, two players who I think would have made a difference yesterday. One of whom hardly played all season, and quite why he stood out is beyond me. Is proper. I think it would have been set up for him. He'd have had loads of time in midfield. He'd have had time to try and unlock defences. And given he wasn't available, why did Grush not come even off the bench? Surely with the number of set pieces we were getting and someone to open up their defence, if anyone's like our person who scored and set up more goals than anyone else in our time in Premier League, surely you bring on him. And could you say the same about Alzate as well? I wouldn't necessarily put him in that category. I mean, Grush has got a proven record of scoring and assisting goals. I mean, it was nice to see Zakiri get a game, but is it really the game to bring him on when we desperately need at least one or two goals, really, and, you know, risk it? Well, um, one of the reasons that Zakiri may well have come on is um, their goal, I, if I'm going to blame anyone, it was Solly because he was nowhere near Bogle. And, and what happened five minutes, five minutes earlier was they had a similar counter-attack where there was someone in a, the same position that was just left free. And I'm a big fan of March, but um, he isn't a left back. And that, that's, that's another thing um, that's uh, an issue at the moment that's, that's revealing itself to be an issue is the makeup of our squad. Um, we don't have left backs. The only, the only left back that we've got in the squad is Bernardo and he doesn't fancy him. Um, I, in a sense, justifiably so, I think, because um, when Bernardo has played under Potter, he's given the ball away too much. Um, and I think that's the reason why he doesn't like him. But March isn't a left back. March has been brilliant as a left wing back, I think. Um, and Dan uh, Byrne isn't a Byrne left back. certainly isn't. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a difficulty, isn't it? And the other thing, going back on the subject of Potter, is... And the question mark of who's to blame for what? I think when you're on the pitch, 
Um, I think the players have to hold their hands up to a lot of criticism, whether it's coming or whether it should be coming. Um, because I think Potter, there's tactical mistakes. I mean, we mentioned the Connolly start at the weekend. We've mentioned in the past the West Brom game, changes that could have been made second half, Southampton as well. Um, some other squad selections. There are mistakes. And the other element, which of course we can't quantify without being on the inside, is the emotional intelligence, motivational stuff, whatever else, you know, to do with that in terms of how we can make the players play well. Um, but what we can say is that there's been concentration mistakes. There's been failure to convert at this level. If you're playing at this level, you should be able to convert some of the sort of chances we've missed on a greater le- on a greater ratio than we have done. Um, the players have to be accountable for a large amount of any criticism that is to be had, don't they really? I'm mean, especially in terms of the finishing from the better chances that we have managed to create. Yes, I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, that is, I think what's keeping me at 50 50, I think, is that it does work the system in a way. I mean, there's frustrations with it, but they do create every game. There seems to be, a, you know, recently, if you look at it, Liverpool, there was Malpay's penalty missing Connolly one on one. Southampton, I don't know, we missed, I can't remember that one, but certainly Fulham, Welbeck's miss against Fulham. Um, <laughs> oh, God. You know, there's, there's so many. Every, every single game we have. Uh, Mope should have done better against Villa as well when he went, went in on the keeper outside the area and should have gone round him. There's there's guilt edge chances we miss every every game and it's so frustrating because there isn't. I think we are actually genuinely even under Potter a, a striker away from from doing it. But on the other hand, if they're not, well, I mean, to, look, what's what's uh, it? What's it, Peter? That from, that would be my question. Oh, sorry, yeah, from at least being a solid lower middle table team, I'd say probably is it? Yeah, from. Not being like down in the bottom five and worrying about relegation every season. Now, obviously, you're going to have a bad season, like you know, eventually or whatever. I don't have any delusion that Brighton are always going to be in Premier League for the rest of the, our history. Um, but every season we've been in this division, we've been worrying about relegation. And it'd be nice to maybe you know be like 12th, 13th most of the season, where we're actually reasonably clear and with five games to go, it looks like we're comfortably safe. That's what mm-hmm. I would regard as a successful. It, longer term, even that would be fine. If we had, if we did that and had a couple of good cup runs, like every you know, a good cup every couple of years or something like that, that would be my idea of being a good Premier but, side. I get where you're coming from there, Peter. But my my problem with that is, um, name me the clubs in the Premier League at the moment that are looking like that. But I mean, someone like Palace is though. I mean, they they Arsenal. Palace tend to, you know, Newcastle seem, they, they both, despite being terrible against us, both of them seem to find a way to get those results. And they're both somehow six, seven points ahead of us. And even though they were both dreadful when we played them. Um, Palace and who? Newcastle. Yeah, no, say... Newcastle are a strange one um, because um, despite the fact that they've had so many problems um, this season, with COVID and players out and injuries and so forth, you know, they're way above expectations. The fans absolutely hate Bruce. Yeah, I mean, exactly. he's in a way a dinosaur, but it seems to be quite yeah. effective. And Well, I, I, I'm not so sure that, I mean, is what you're saying that if you go from 50-50 to Potter out, that you'd welcome Bruce <laughs> I no, will mention. That's not what I'm saying. No. I will mention Allardyce. Um, no, I'm not saying that. And I think, yeah, I don't necessarily. And that, 
that's 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 an issue that the I wouldn't suggest going all that that way. I think we might have to look at someone a little bit more pragmatic than Potter. If we can't score our chances, we we might as well be a little bit more solid at the back. I'm not saying I want to go, you know, four five one, sit back and defend, and like you did even under Hewton, for example, the last like season, especially. What I'm saying is there must be a middle ground between the two where we can have a reasonably solid defence and try to score a little bit more, but not necessarily have the chances that we have now because there's no point having 20 chances a game if you're not going to take them. And I, think, I just think for one, for me, one of the most one of the most frustrating things is that there have been a number of games this season where we could easily be 2-0 up. And I think if we're 2-0 up, then we probably win the game, you know, because first of all, they're going to have to come on us. That's going to open them up. I think there's been a number of games like that where we could have we could have done that. And that, Peter, I think is where you would end up with us around about 10th, 11th, you know, winning, you know, winning, winning more than we're winning and, and, um, and not losing so many. And if you can't score two goals a game, then you've got to keep a clean sheet. I've always thought, you know, as a team, you're in trouble. If you, either you can't score two goals or you can't keep a clean sheet, then you're going to usually be near the bottom. And we see three of those at the moment. But I mean, if you turn it on its head, though, at the moment, you know, like, I mean, I think most people think that the chances are that Sheffield United are going to go down. I'm not convinced that West Brom are going to start this time. So really, we're all fighting for one or trying to avoid one relegation place. By and, all, it's only three clubs, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm hoping that we can do that. might get dragged into it. But I, keep, I keep thinking, sometimes I think Newcastle, sometimes I think Leeds, even occasionally I think Palace, but... All three of those teams seem as if they they have the players to every now and then drag out a win, and you know we've and and whereas the the bottom five generally, um, it's more draws, isn't it? Leeds are well, a massive. Yeah. I'd say Leeds are a massive anomaly, and what I'd normally say is, if you concede the goals that they do, you you can't as a promoted team score the goals to make up for it, but they seem able to do it. Like they win five two one game and then lose five six, six two the next game, wherever it was, yeah. Hmm. Great entertainment, I'm sure, for the neutral. I mean, Leeds are pretty much like the Sheffield United of this season. I mean, I, I take a keen interest in the championship, and I have to say, I made this point on the Seagulls over London post-match chat as well. Um, there's a lot of teams, and it ties in with what Andy Kay said earlier about there being 30 Premier League teams, the Neil Atkinson discussion. Um, I think there is, and a lot of those teams in that 30, those, those bigger clubs, include some teams that play pretty industrious football. And you look at Sheffield United. Um, I think including last season, but to greater effect, much, much lesser effect this year. You look at West Brom, um, Fulham and Roar, an entertaining team, but in terms of standard, we're talking about them as well. We're talking about Norwich with, um, from last season um, and several other clubs. You could talk about Brentford that didn't come up. They're all in roughly the same level. And I would, I would actually say Newcastle are still a championship squad there. They've got a couple of very good players, but apart from that, they're they're a championship squad. Well, those they, those they, clubs they spent twenty million on someone that can score goals. Yeah, which is better than forty million on someone that can't, which is what they did before. But but yeah, I'll, I'll come to Andy in a minute. But just to say that yeah, there's a lot of clubs who are who will scrap and grit and tussle, and we struggle against those teams. We've struggled against West Brom this season. We struggled against Sheffield United. We struggled oh, against yeah. Burnley, who are like a glorified version of the same. Um, and Fulham, obviously, a better a better footballing side, but we struggled against them. Ultimately, they are championship quality, and I don't mean that derogatorily. But it's it's ultimately the the transition from the prem uh, from the championship to the Premier League is such a tough one. You're going to have that mini league, and 
when we're playing teams like that, we struggle. When we play better teams who are more open, we do better. And we, we certainly flourish more in those games. But we need to find a way to get a better ratio of wins against those championship, those borderline teams that in another season we would, I think Raymond said actually, when we were talking on Seagulls over London, said, well, how would we do if we went down, if we're struggling against those teams now? And I think we'd be in the top six, but where we would be in the top six would be a question. Um, when I see West Brom last season, I saw them a few times. I thought they're a good championship team. Yes, they might go up. Yes. Are they going to survive this season? No, I was 100% sure of that, unless they did some crazy spending. And the two big signings they made were the guys they already had on loan. And West Ham were annoyed about one of those signings. But ultimately, that was just a player they needed to in order to get up um, just about by the skin of their teeth in the uh, auto positions. They're nothing like the Wolves team that came up. I don't think they're as good as the Brighton team that came up, ironically, uh, or Bournemouth or a couple of other clubs like that. Um, they're certainly not in the same class as Wolves, who have only got 20 points themselves. So, you know, I, I think that there's, there's that mini-league, isn't there? We, we, need to, we need to work better within that mini-league. Um, a final point for me before going to Andy B for this is just in terms of the, you look at the table, yeah, I agree that um, I think it's looking likely it's going to be one place to avoid at the moment because Sheffield United, ultimately, poor result though it was for us, we, we stopped them winning. They've got two points now from 14 games. The general rule of thumb is one point per game ratio to survive. That's pretty. That's a pretty good guideline for survival. It's always just about enough. We're just below that, aren't we? We've got 12 from 14. Arsenal are dead on it. But Sheffield United are 12 points below that ratio. Are they going to make those 12 points up and then achieve one point per game afterwards? No chance. West Brom are five points below that ratio. They got beaten 3 at the home by Villa they've got Liverpool next away um, I'm not I think it's a step too far for Sam I think he big Sam Hippo he's going to go down I think with them um, because they, they just don't have the quality in there and I don't think they'll spend in Jan so it is down to one place isn't it but um, Andy can, can we go to you next Andy B sorry you've been itching yeah, to talk no, there sorry right, no, it was just um, what I was what I was going to say was that um, when you look at those teams in that in that kind of middle middle part of the of the Premier League you know, most of them have got a standout player, either a creative player or a goal scorer, but we just don't have one. You know, you look at, um, you know, you can sell, I mean, South, I watched the Southampton game live at the ground. You know, they've got some, got, I mean, Ward Prowse is probably as good as anybody on a, in the world at the moment in dead ball situations. And, you know, they, they have got some creativity, some decent players, but, um, you know, they got Ings' goals. And that, I mean, I watched him in the warm-up. I mean, it was amazing. He just kept smacking the ball in the top corner time and time again in the warm-up. And when he came on, he not only brings on his goals and his ability, but also the way he kind of helped that team through that moment to get that winner. Um, you, you could see that he was having an influence. You know, you look at Villa, they got Grealish. Um, at the moment, Leeds have got Bamford on, on, on fire. They've all got one outstanding player. Admittedly, I think he's not... If they're not planning, they've got a problem. But we just don't have anybody like that at the moment. And I yeah, don't Leeds, the one Leeds have I got think 17 that, points, haven't they? Even no, and of, and, of the, and of the younger creative players, Trossard is the one I think who could do it. But mm. Trossard just doesn't seem to be able to come on and grip a game, you know, be constantly at it all 90 minutes. And, um, yeah. and I think that's why we're not quite at the moment in that middle middle bit. You know. I agree with you on that, like big scorers, but you only have to look at Wolves at the moment without Jimenez. I mean, that's a 
And not only have they lost Yossa in the summer, but also now lost Jimenez. And they seem completely, well, I know they beat Chelsea the other day, but generally they seem pretty toothless now, saying they look pretty poor against Burnley. And just to further underline what you were saying about Sheffield United, I reckon that we've got 24 games left in the season. Now yeah. it's 14. And we, they need 36 points to get to 38 in the end. So they need a point and a half already, which is probably upper middle table sort of form to get them the 38 that... I mean, I, mean, I think you've had less in previous years. But I'm not yeah, so well, this season. Point and a half is Everton. Much less this season. Everton are in fourth place, so they're on 26. Man United are in third place of 26, although they've played a game less. But um, that's what we're talking about, the form level. Sheffield yeah. United would need to get to 38 points. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, Andy Kay, you were going to yeah, make a point. I mean, just, just to reiterate that point that I've made, um, uh, what often happens when we're going for a poor spell is people ask for their prediction of uh, points total needed to secure survival uh, and it's going to be even lower this season I think um, yeah. uh, uh, so it's I've been at the lower end of it but even I've overestimated it in the past so I, I've kind of gone 35 36 I, I, I suspect it'll be even lower than that because there are these two teams followed by the next three maybe four or five um, yeah. and you know, I, I, I can't, I can't see. Um, well, I, I can certainly see at least one of them getting less than thirty-five. Yeah, and um, we, if we get a point per game, we'll finish on exactly thirty-six from this point on. Yeah, um, but just to follow up on a couple of points that um, Andy and Peter made, and Andy, I, I, I really agree with you. Although um, I'm not so sure that I. Um, Put Bamford in into that bracket at all? No, I mean, I mean more this season, really. Yeah, he he has been impressive this season, but the amount of opportunities that they create for him, he he's going to score goals. Um, but when I was talking about playing with more intensity, pressing higher up the pitch, it's Hassan Hotel's Southampton that I've got in mind. They they are masters at it, and and we really need to learn from that. So it's it's far. Um, the analysis on match the day of Leeds last night was, was absolutely brilliant. They just leave, they're so open, whereas Southampton aren't. Um, and the way in which they hunt in packs is, is, is brilliant. And we just haven't done enough of that since we've been in the Premier League. And I, I think if we start doing that and, and start playing with a little bit more variety, um, uh, and as I say, less passive, that would be great. I really agree with the point on Ings. Ings, Ings looks absolutely stunning at the moment. They took a bit of a gamble on him because he'd had long-term injuries and um, well, they went up the really weekend, him getting back to full match fitness that has coincided with their, their upturn. Um, but um, I, I, I think that they've got quite a few other quality players in their squad. I mean, um, I did rate Hoiberg, um, uh, and I know he's gone to Tottenham now, but Adams is looking good. Ward Prowse, as you say, uh, um, their, their two full backs look pr pretty good. Um, uh, that, Ryan, uh, uh, who is it? Nathan Redmond is one of the most frustrating players that there is. He's, he doesn't deliver whatsoever. But, in, I mean, Peter... 
I'm going to bounce this one back to you, especially because you're, um, I'm seeing your your face on the screen. Would you really rather have the setup at Palace or Newcastle to our setup? Currently? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, my point is, why is it that we look so much better than these teams when we play them? And there's something that yeah, we don't we don't see the ability to grind out results anymore. Well, well I mean, w- with Palace, um, I, th- I think and is. It, pointed precisely to it. They've got Zaha, they've got Cahill, who's who's brilliant. That Coyetta is having a, a great season as well. Um, Russell will tell you about Eze, who, who looks very, very promising. Um, so in Zaha, they've got a match winner and, and they've, got, they've got a great um, central defender in Cahill. But you look at the average age of their squad, um, and I, I just don't see the kind of future proofing that Bloom is trying to to bring to our club. Yeah, and I completely get the the planning for the future and that sort of thing. I just think but, certainly you might say it's you know kind of you be Potter. I don't think Bloom wants to obviously will want to go down at all. He'll want to. He'll be very very anti. You know, it's not a case of we're happy to come back up again that sort of thing. Like I was saying, I'm you know I, I was always really relaxed if we were kind of a yo-yo team for a few years, but. I doubt Bloom will be, but then he seems to not invest in the players that need are needed at the moment. In my view, I mean, the, you can't spend a million pounds in the summer and on the first team, and then obviously we're going to see Moda hopefully coming in. We will see him coming in, and maybe Percy Tell. But whether they're the answers, and whether Ichiedo can get fit, or whether Andone can get fit and improve, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I mean, Tell, Andone, and uh, Ichiedo. I, you know, I, I hold very little. No, hope. not at um, Yeah, but um, I'm saying that Bloom kind of deploys a kind of money ball strategy. And what I'm saying in that is that he won't invest in the most expensive position. Um, and it's far less about transfer fee and it's far more about player wages. Mm. Um but we definitely up from the from the sound of it up to our wage our wage limit for the Lana in the summer. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure sure we have done for Welbeck because he's yeah. only, only I would have be better off doing it for a, a younger twenty million pound striker or forty million pound striker or whatever than we are for Lalana in a way. I mean, I I think he's done really well when he's come in, but we we could have got you know someone like Trossard creates chances. Someone like you know there are players who do create stuff for us. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd not, but I, I I can see why Lalana was brought. His his. A really mature head. He, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a model pro. He's he's there to help um, the youngsters through. Yeah. The the problem with buying strikers is um, there is no uh, there is no silver bullet. You know, you could you could um, tie yourself down with someone uh, on very high wages for a long time. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, we couldn't uh, afford a Jackson or a Haller. That's yeah. No, I agree with that. And it's no. I was going to push one thing back to you guys, see what you think. The question is, what what is it with our home form as well? So away from home this season, we've won two, drawn two, lost three, and only played one of the four teams currently below us before the start of the Burnley game. Now, that's actually a really good record. Home, on the other hand, we've drawn four and lost three, is that right? Including playing three of the teams below us. Yeah. Um, My my answer to that is I, I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that teams traditionally will set up to defend away from home and that has been a problem for us to counteract um, except the better clubs and the better clubs obviously can over 
over Aurus anyway. And that's a simplistic answer, maybe, but I think that's the basis of it. Maybe a bit of just happen chance as well. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I think the home away advantage um, is less important this year, and I think that the, the stats bear that out, don't don't they? Because there's no crowd left. Well, that um, the point that you're making, Peter, about the clubs below us, um, and I think Russell's probably right in that we're we're, we're less good at um, getting through a team that sits back um, and defends deep. The one thing that we haven't mentioned about yesterday's game was that for 50 minutes we played against 10 men after what I thought was quite a appalling challenge. Um, um, and um, that was VAR working quite well, actually. I yeah, think. fair play to VAR. That was correct. Um, I was a little bit surprised I, without knowing the exact view of the ref um, I was a bit surprised that he didn't give that as a red because I, on, in just first view I thought was, that looks it? like a red I first replay in full, full, full pace into it. did he, did yeah. he get yellow thinking if it's, if it's worse than I could see whereas True. if it had been live he, you know, he had no VAR as background he might have given a red straight yeah. away I mean yeah it was yeah. that question to be some Sheffield United fans complaining about it and I was like that's it's, you know, people, and Wilder was saying after the game, oh, the game's come to this and, you know, you can't put a challenge in these days. It yeah, well, with all due respect to Wilder, you can piss off about that because that, that yeah. was just embarrassing to... to back. I mean, you've got to pick your battles and if you're going to start sticking up, trying to argue back about that, you're just going to weaken your own argument when you've got a justifiable reason to be upset because there's no debate about it whatsoever. I saw it in, in real time. I saw the first real replay in real time thought there's no doubt about this that's one of those ones actually where you don't want to see it in in slow-mo yeah. because it would actually it would reduce the amount of impact the point is it was excessive force it was studs up um it mistimed whatever how much bad luck is involved in that doesn't matter the fact is he's gone in hard and he's got the man it's, it's a red card all day long um peter yeah yeah the bbc um report says wilder says football's in danger of becoming a non-contact sport um, the game has moved on and changed. I have to change with it, I suppose. Players and fans still want to see contact. I've got to accept that the referee thought it was a red. Now, yeah, that is wildly, you know, stupid thing to say in that situation. It was such a clear, you know, he was completely out of control. He was over the ball. Yes, he got the ball a little bit first, which seems to still be people's, you know, kind of example of how it can't be a red card because he got the ball. Well, I mean, on, on that point, though, um, you say... Uh, it's a wildly stupid thing to say, and, and I agree with you, Peter, it is. But as a manager, you can get away with saying wildly stupid things. I mean, Marino has <laughs> a master at it. And the other thing that would tip me towards the Potter out camp, and, and probably something that the board are looking at, is his personality is, how should we put it, passive. Um, <laughs> he's a little yeah. bit too nice um, hmm. and he wouldn't come out and say that kind of thing and if that's kind of transmitting itself through to the players then Which is uh, yeah, it, he got a lot actually, he but... got a lot of credit in the, the Southampton game for the for the dodgy decision to give them a penalty which looking back on I still can't believe actually Nick who we had on the show the journalist Nick Schapanek said he thought it was a pen I, I'm kind of really struggling to see what he saw there actually looking back but anyway uh, Potter after the game had every right to have gone on a rant yeah you can have a carefully chosen worded rant and still make your point 
but he didn't. He was very passive about that, wasn't he? And I do think in those moments, you don't have to portray yourself as nice to try and then have greater impact later down the line. That's one of the moments where you, you know, you hold your own court and you, you, you stand your ground and you make the point that, hang on, we've, we've been done there. Um, it was too passive for me. I think that is the right word, actually. Um, I don't, I mean, people have criticised him for his, his press conferences. Quite frankly, I said this on the WhatsApp groups, they are a bore fest. I can't stand them anyway. I mean, in general, but I, I find them tiresome, whether it's Mourinho trying to be clever, whether it's Klopp having a rant and then smiling his way out of it, whether it's, it's Graham Potter boring everybody to tears or Chris Hewton before him. They're just horrendous. They're just they're just exercises in journalists hoping to snatch something to grab onto for a for a story. And there's there's nothing more to them than that. It's all generic um, lip service nonsense most of the time, isn't it? Which is why the the comment the other day about Ryan was the most. It was really surprising because yeah. they yeah. don't say anything at all. But to then say if he wants to go, well, you know, we, we won't stand in his way was very open of him, really, considering everything else. Yeah. No, I, I agreed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there was a bust-up between Mope and Ryan, quite obviously, because um, the views of those two have have changed, haven't they? Uh, um, the performances, the way in which they're regarded. Um, you know, I, I think Ryan's been an amazing servant for us for three years, but he hasn't been good this season. Um, and he's really missed that protection that Duffy provided. Um, I'm not an advocate that we should have kept Duffy. Um, I don't think we can play a high defensive line uh, with Duffy and Dunk because they're both too slow. Um, Dunk's and he's having a disaster at Celtic, isn't he, as well? Dunk's been poor this season, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. he's, he's been off his game. Um, but... The, the big difference with Sanchez in there is his presence in the penalty area, uh, you know, beyond that great save. And his distribution's much, much better. Um, and a massive throw on Sunday yesterday, wasn't yeah. there? Like where he, he, he set, I can't remember if it was away now, but he was, yeah, a brilliant throw. Yeah, I, nothing, I love Sanchez. I think he's good, yeah. And, and he beat. Well, there's nothing better than being a defender and the keeper going keepers and you just calm down and the keeper comes mm. and gets it. I mean, it just transforms the entire atmosphere of the game. Yeah. I mean, I do I do think, Andy, that Dunk, the last couple of games has begun to look, look better again, but I'd agree he had a very, very sort of slow and patchy start. The last couple of games, though, I felt like he looks a bit more back to his to himself. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for, for me, Sanchez does have that extra presence. He obviously does have um, greater height presence in terms of, you know, physically he's a taller guy. But I think his reach is actually very mm -hmm. commanding as well on top of his, his general size. Um, it was a very good save from the free kick, dangerous position we conceded. Uh, I feared the worst, but Goldrick, you know, a guy who's got, I think, a relative of, uh, of Palace origins with that name who we discussed on the podcast with Kevin Day. I just thought, oh, this is all just set up for him to score. And it was a good save from, from Sanchez. He looks commanding, yeah, his distribution's decent. And overall, I think... Um, He's definitely a good addition to the first-team squad. Um, whatever's happening with Ryan, I'm quite comfortable that we've got a good alternative now should he uh, leave uh, for whatever reason or have a sustained period out of the time uh, out of the team. So that's good news. It is now 2-1 as well in the, in the Burnley-Wolves game. I don't know if it's going to finish before we do, but um, Wolves have pulled one back, so that's, that's good news. Um, 
yeah, I mean, so Sanchez aside, any other points from the for the game at the weekend in terms of uh, what we haven't already covered? Um, Zakiri, it was a difficult one, wasn't it, to, to judge? He didn't have an awful lot of time or joy. Um, bit thankless task, yeah, wasn't it? I, I, I think we'd be daft to judge Zakiri on that. Um, hmm. I mean, my view is we need to sell Jahan Batch um, that we need to give Connolly less time. If Mope's head is all over the place, we may well need to sell him. And that means that we need to bring a striker in. Um, with Jahan Batch and Mope, if, if he's like lost his head, is who's going to want Mope if he's lost his head? And who's going to want Jahan Batch full stop that will pay any sort of money for him? I mean, obviously he's done one in Jerry Vizete, but no one's going to pay the money that we're anywhere near what we paid for him from there. Well, or do you loan I, him out and hope to get more money if he has a good run of form? No, I, I, I don't know about that necessarily. Um, Mope's, what, 24, 25? Um, he's got a season and a half in the Premier League behind him. He's got, he's got 14 goals. Um, he's, he's an exciting player, as far as I understand. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not a 20-goal-a-season striker. He's, he's not deadly clinical, but um, he's got a number of different attributes. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just think that his, his head's all over the place at the moment. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think he could for, do it. For him, it might be better if the, he moves. Um, uh, we can't sell him and not buy anyone. We have to buy a striker. We sold him. Well, precisely. And then there's the issue about the January window as well. Yeah, well, obviously, we've already got one one player confirmed coming in or coming back coming, um, in Moda. So that means Moda. The... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm excited by Moda. And he will also bring, if he plays, that is, because there's quite a bit of competition for those places. And him coming back probably means that um, Malumbi, Sanders, proper, at least one of those needs to go because then, then you know, the amount of ga- game time that can be distributed between them. Probably two, to be honest, because I think they were going to load out Sanders anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. But he's, he's got height as well. And he can shoot apparently as well, which is something that we will probably all learn to avoid doing soon with us. But apparently he's got quite a decent shot on him. Mm-hmm. encouraging I don't know what's happened to proper this season and where they keep saying he's injured he's got a setback or he's ill or something like that but I mean we, I, I generally and I know there's been some critics of him and he had a pretty poor run after after lockdown but I do think we miss him he's got time on the ball he's got quality in midfield and he's something we lack quite quite badly at the moment and I really do think that we you know if we could get him fit again properly I think he'd add something to that team yeah no I, I think um, proper alongside Pesima in the centre of midfield would, would be great um uh, but yeah, again, that's that's another odd, odd one, isn't it? He hasn't even played, and has he been even yeah. in a squad league squad this season? He, he's he's made the bench a few times. I, I think he might have been on the bench yesterday, wasn't he, or, or not? Yeah, I'm so betting there were so many, there were nine on the bench. That... Yeah, that's another thing I'm really confused about. Why on earth have they got nine subs so you can only use three of them? I mean, surely you either have seven subs for using three of them, or nine subs and using five of them. That's because they're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pointless concession, isn't it? Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I, it's a compromise that no one's happy with, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Compromise where compromise isn't a good thing. It's pointless. Yeah. I mean, the, the game, game's coming up. Once again, we missed a chance to overtake Arsenal. It's been weeks in a row now. This time, a nailed on one because we knew the other results in advance. Um, 
interestingly, Arsenal have got Chelsea at home next and then obviously us away. So we've still got opportunities to potentially overtake them. The other results, uh, sorry, the other fixtures look okay. Fulham are at home to Southampton next. Sheffield United are at home to Everton and Burnley are away at Leeds. Who knows what can happen there? West Brom have got Liverpool away. Um, so, you know, if we can pull around, as I, I mentioned, this sarcastic flippant comment about dropping points in both of those last two games and then and then doing the business in our games that we're normally bogey sides against, West Ham and Arsenal. We now need to do that because yeah. um, the other two bits have been fulfilled. We now need the other half of that, please. Um, but if we do, all, all is forgiven and we're in, we're back into a more positive position, aren't we? Given that there's some tough fixtures yeah, and we're, Burnley we're have to play... We're so far off, off target that we're, you know, kind of, yeah, lost. We're not Sheffield United. We need to, yeah, a win or two in, in a game. Just to say, Proper wasn't in a 20 yesterday, so... He wasn't even in the 20-man squads. So you wonder if he's right. already agreed a deal to go or something. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I had pondered as well. Yeah. yeah. I know Ajax have been interested before, haven't they, allegedly? Yeah. So on that note, I think that pretty much covers it. And just a couple of bits to mention. We, we were on the last podcasts, we've been chatting with uh, Kevin Day from, from uh, the Five Year Plan and Price of Football podcast, amongst other things. And he was great value. I think we really enjoyed that, didn't we, Peter? It was uh, and Andy. It was really good. Yeah, it's good. Good event. Really good. Yeah. Um, I have sent him the, the questions, but I didn't. I had a pretty busy weekend, so I didn't get around to doing it in time to... To, to, to leave a reasonable amount of time for a reply. So we haven't heard back from him with the questions we've sent, but we will publish those if they come mm. in well, the so next I podcast. Suppose, I suppose since then as well, he's done a podcast and lost 7-0, so he's probably, he's probably not that keen to come back just straight away. And, well, and I've, out of respect, I've, 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 I've... Referencing us as well. Yeah, 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 on, on the, yeah, they had the Price of Football um, publication on uh, Monday, and uh, that... Uh, They'd mentioned us two or three times. Peter got a personal mention. He's really chuffed with that one. You see um, his head swelling. It's ridiculous. Um, I thought, I thought but maybe he was going to hand in a transfer request. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> got my ideas. to uh, Real Madrid at the moment to get their podcast. Basuma, <laughs> yeah. of course, being linked with Real as well. Um, but no, it was, was really good value with, with Kevin. He's a good guy. It was good fun. And... Um, it was just a shame that uh, they they subsequently lost seven 0 at home the next day. I've got a feeling if he was coming on on the Saturday, he might have declined uh, based on that. Uh, well, we've I been quite that. gentle with him. Yeah, seven <laughs> um, nil at home to on Liverpool. On that, I would just note Liverpool's finishing that day. I mean, it's the polar opposite of ours. They had eight, yeah. eight shots on target, scored seven. Yeah. Burnley I mean, that's, that's amazing, isn't it, to be fair? That's yeah, uh, ridiculous. Yeah, the other, What's the, the XG on that? Was that I, uh, someone was saying from watching it, there wasn't one goal where you looked for VAR and like that. They were all so clear and clinical that there wasn't anywhere near like any offside decisions or anything like that. It was all yeah. for once. You weren't looking around going like, was that was that offside? And one of them, the Sal- one of the Salah's goals was, a, should we say, um, a knockout light goal as well, wasn't it? Very similar kind of goal. Well, um, the... the- I think it was Firmino's first, um, their third goal was just like um, the goals that Liverpool scored in that first season against us at the Amex when they smashed us 5-1 and were absolutely brilliant. I just love yeah. goals like that. I mean, that's that's the kind of goal that we need to score. Um, yes, you sometimes see teams, I think United at the, the Amex last year, that third goal was like that as well. Yeah. Where you just kind of like, everything's just done for one touch, flick up field and you can't keep up with the pace of their players. Yeah. And they're just too quick for you. And sometimes you just got to hold your hand up. And I think, in fairness to Palace, I mean, that could have happened to well, quite a lot of teams in the week. And Liverpool were on that form. They've not really been that great away from home this season. But 
obviously on Saturday they're in the mood. They got the early goal, and I think most any any number of teams could have had that happen to them this season against Liverpool, and, and they won't be the first to get thrashed by them. Yeah, indeed. Well, Andy, Peter, and Andy, um, thanks very much for joining us. Um, it's been it's been good. The result hasn't, but uh, we've got a couple of games coming up in the, well in close proximity, haven't we? Twenty seventh and 29th. West Ham and Arsenal. Um, we really do need to bounce back with some results now in those games. Um, we might do a Christmas special of some sort just after Christmas. Stay tuned for that. Um, if you haven't caught the Kevin Day special, which was in two parts, please check it out. I think it was really good value. Um, or he was anyway. I'm not sure about us. Um, <laughs> but um, no, it was a really good it was, <laughs> it was it was really good fun. Uh, we recommend that. If you can give us any five-star reviews and writing reviews on Apple and other devices that would really help it just boosts our chances of getting seen heard about and so on um we're sponsored by seagulls over london if you want information on them it's www.seagullsoverlondon.com and also you can contact this show uh, on twitter at brighton rock pod or via email at brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. Peter's cat's in the background, making a last-minute cameo appearance. Good to see. Uh, mine has stayed away this while, time. But she wants to make the first team, you know, this time. <laughs> so, so thank you to you all. Um, if we don't speak before, officially, and then have a good Christmas and the same to all our listeners. A big up, actually, to a, a few of our, um, our listeners who are dedicated followers. Uh, we have Tipsy Tim Palmer. Hello to you, if you're listening, as you usually are. He's, he's an avid fan and uh, really lots of compliments about our pod, so I appreciate those words. Also, Wine Duncan, um, <laughs> who, who you know who you are. Um, thanks again for your um, support as well. To Wedge, who's mentioned um, us in the past too. Uh, and to everyone else who I haven't mentioned just there, um, I hope you all have a very good Christmas and we will be back soon with another episode in which we'll be reveling in the delight of having beaten West Ham and Arsenal, I'm sure. Surely that's going to happen now, isn't it? <laughs> in the meantime, uh, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.